afternoon, meet suits. Welcome back. This is Read It and Weep, a podcast about movies and friendship, and this is season five, Kevin Bacon's Exquisite Corpse. We're just a pride of podcasters playing a very long movie-watching game, and I am your king. I am Alex Falcone, recording today from North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I'm joined today... Uh, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland, and they say... His aroma lacks a certain appeal. He can clear the savanna after every single meal. It's Anthony Lopez. When I was a young warthog. <laughs> I love a song that sets up a dirty word and then doesn't say it. Yeah. You know, I, uh, in front of the kids. I was talking uh, a little bit before we recorded. I'm sure we'll get into this. But last night I did a double feature. You did, of, yeah. Uh, 1994's Lion King and... The uh, the new super realistic, way less fun remake, and I gotta yeah. say, the one thing I took away from the remake, the actual like inspiring, uh, moving thing, is that Seth Rogen also can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> he really went for it in the I... remake in a way that is so charming and fun that it made me feel like I could try to sing here on the podcast. Yeah. Because he's also bad. And yeah. he was in a billion dollar movie. And Love it. Man. There's nothing more inspiring to continue, you know, trying to succeed in this world than a single threat who's making it. I love to watch somebody who cannot sing consistently get singing work. Yeah. It's always very, very fun. Well, not consistently, but getting doing a lot of work and then getting to sing. Yeah, well, they, at a certain point, they just won't stop you anymore, you know? Well, there's like, uh, I mean, like Rex Harrison famously can't sing and starred in several musicals. Um, mm. There are people, you can make that a thing. Um, also joining us today, just around at the panel, he's in Northern California. He is a baboon, and I am not. It's Ezra Fox. <laughs> it is time. <laughs> oh, really? You're going to crack open a watermelon and douse here's me the, again? Yeah, well, I, here's the thing. I didn't know that you were alive. But then I saw some good, like some good wind dust, and then put it. You in some smelled stuff. my wind, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's you're alive! It's, it's time. time! I'm gonna, I gotta, you guys, you know I, gotta do? I gotta update my cave painting real quick yeah. for your extra hairiness." You guys are making a joke about that scene, but after you see, if you ever see what they do in the remake for that, <laughs> you will never joke about that decision again. That, that sequence, which is literally just a, a simple, like, cross-dissolve, right? Simple. Yeah. Sits down in one place, dust goes up, cross-dissolve to a dust in somewhere else. Rafiki finds it. Simba's alive, right? Really, really no, simple, simple, clean, musk. easy storytelling. Yeah. I fucking swear to God, you guys, in the remake, that is a five-fucking-minute <laughs> sequence, all right? In which a single hair... Or like a tuff of hair falls off oh, Simba, okay. and yeah. then the most well, comical Rune Goldberg machine esque event happens with the hair. This makes sense because you went from up. you went from classic animation to photorealistic animation, so you have to go from cartoony dissolve to CSI lion. Yes, exactly. So that's what happened. It is like it literally, <laughs> it literally, it like. It goes in the air, it gets picked up by a bird, it gets dropped somewhere else, it gets eaten by a giraffe, it gets pooped out by a giraffe, a dung beetle rolls it up, carries it, it falls, it breaks, the hair gets back out, it gets picked up by an ant, and it gets carried to 
his tree. It is so. I, you know, in this whole movie is, about talking lions, they were like, "Look, no one buys that Rafiki can smell the wind." Well, we need it is clear it is explanation. A I, I it is two things. I need to see. I need to see. I want it. I want the chain of custody yeah. on the smell, or I will not believe the scene. It's a perfect metaphor for the live action, not live action, but for the remake. Realistic, okay. Yeah. It is the same exact scene, but it's longer and without any of the whimsy or fun. But it's the right. same exact thing, but Ezra, you said out. two things. Yeah, two things. One, um, for CSI Lion, is it all lions crime based lion? Like are all the crimes involving lions or all the people solving it lions? And which would you prefer? No. Um well, you want to have the lion be able to solve like an antelope's crimes, right? The thing uh, is, okay. you, know, you want the lion. He's the king of the jungle. He's got to be responsible for helping everyone. Just lion mm. crimes. Well, so, okay, so the lions are the kings. The lionesses are the hunters for the lions. It's unclear what Scar does. He's clearly like a kept man. Um, but like the monkey is the wizard and the, you know, the advisor is a bird. I feel like the cops would be like a species. Like they would be like, like, it, it's not like lions don't solve their own crimes. You're like, oh, we call in the police. And then it's like, uh, it's a like a bunch of zebras come in and that's the police force or something. I mean, it'd be elephants because they never forget. So they have really good oh, minds for being a detective, well, right? I mean, that would, that would be, yeah. So we got a zebra in it interrogating a lion that's like, tell us what you know. Like, I don't remember. And we basically had this in Zootopia also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? But in Zootopia, it's never, it's not like only rabbit no, no, solving rabbit crimes. It's about it's trying to overcome yeah, prejudice in that way. Right, um, right. It's also prejudice. F- follow- this one touches on a little bit about the... Uh, um, the predator prey relationship, and then just mostly doesn't care. There's a lot of things where it's just like this is this is a weird thing. If you think about it too hard, let's keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's keep it moving is definitely one of the main f- taglines of the original Lion King, and I well, I think they're better off for it. It also really gets by on being like incredibly stylized and like beautifully animated and like fairly surreal in some parts. So imagine the joy of watching this exact movie but photo fucking realistic not a single animation flourish in the entire thing just realistic realistic looking animals talking this exact same dialogue have you guys seen the musical no no i really want to i i was trying to watch a stage version of that as well, I was going to submerse immerse myself oh, in Lion King King. this week. Yeah, yeah. All, all Lions Kings. Hamlet I, also. I just, I just want to. Okay, I've watched that, and every time you bring up the new photorealistic one that I have not seen, I'm going to mm. bring up the musical that you haven't seen because I feel so left out right now. <laughs> but the whole point of the musical, like you've seen pictures of the costumes, they didn't try to yeah. make it look like an actual lion was talking. The whole it's thing brilliant. was stage flourishes. It was artistic. It was brilliant. Yeah. And so the idea of being like, let's just make them look just like lions. It's just like that's not what's yeah. good about this. Okay, it's, my new mission. I know. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But even if I had to twist my brain into a pretzel, Anthony, I'm going to find a way to make the the new version my favorite version ever. I don't know why. I don't know how. But that's my new goal. Mm. Well, so I, I watched. I liked the, the remake of The Jungle Book was okay. The photorealistic yeah. Jungle Book was all right. It had some things. And photorealistic Beauty and the Beast was not great. But and maybe Lion, it's like about how bad was not great either, right? Have they mostly uh-huh. just done bad? Yeah. I mean, all of these. I mean, to me, the light, it feels like. 
I mean, one, it is really fascinating that they didn't ask Truly Tamor to direct the live action Lion King. Right. I'm, I'm pretty fascinated. She's the one who directed the stage play. She's like, is the one who uh, conceived okay. of how it would go. And I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know the um, Lion King, the musical is the most profitable single piece of art that has ever been made? I didn't know that. Yes. The the Lion King, the musical has grossed somewhere in the realm of like six, seven billion dollars. I think like just the musical from like touring merchandise that's sold at the show ticket sales. The fact that it's literally at, probably at, done a show a night had grossed more than six billion. Yeah. Lion King, the musical is the most successful the piece of, art. Hit of any work in any medium of all time. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. I think it's weird because I like it. Like a lot of the time, things that are that successful, I like are annoying. But the Lion King, the musical, is like an incredible. P- and also, I hate now because of this how many things are movies just done on stage for no reason. But this is really good. Yeah. And I mean, I think the history of movies going to Broadway, like there's a long history and there's a lot of really great stuff that kind of has come out of that. But like, it is amazing the fact that like the show is the most successful show in literally of any medium of all time. And they went into the Iron Man guy to make the movie rather than the person (laughs) who made the most successful music thing in the history of the world. Yes. I mean, I guess. I mean, Julie Tamo, look, let's be honest. Yeah, she was involved in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Yes, she's had a few stinkers <laughs> since then, okay? Uh-huh. And, like, okay, I, I honestly do probably think it, it was probably, I mean, some of the movies she made weren't really well succeed, success, like received, but being involved in Spider-Man definitely hurts your chances of getting a big budget um, yeah. uh, I, movie, I, right? I mean- yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But also, I mean, look, John John Favreau, uh, you know, done a lot of stuff that I like a lot, including, I mean, the you know, the Jungle Book uh yeah. live action, which he made he and that shouldn't have worked. So he deserved some credit as like he took this awful idea and made it okay. They thought he could try that again. And I think yeah. fundamentally it's probably like they figured, okay, this is this is mostly about can you like get all like the technical aspects of this right, yes, basically. For I sure. think it's, it's I mean, probably it's, what's the bet they're making. So just a quick update like from Googling. So, so 2014, it was over six billion. That was, that was when it became the biggest hit of anything of all time. It's more than doubled since then. In 2019, it was almost a two billion or 12 billion, um, and it has made more than all Star Wars movies combined. Yes, that's yeah, Lion King the musical so crazy. Is yeah, it's a cr- it's an unfathomable success. Uh, Lion King. The it's really, really good. I cannot stress this enough. I yeah. really like it. It's like I, I've seen it twice. I saw it once touring in Portland, and I saw it once in like earlier on in L.A. And both times, it's a it's a piece of art that made me weep just from yeah. the artness of it. And I like just the opening song, which is so good anyway. But yeah, all like, all of the animal costumes coming out from all the places and just seeing how beautiful and perfect everything is is just like. I was made me, trying made me to cry. think of very, other very good. examples of this, but like one of my the most baller thing I think you can do as a movie studio and like trying to drum up hype for your product is for your trailer. You don't release a conventional trailer. You just release a sequence 
from your movie as the mm-hmm. trailer. Yeah, yeah. And Lion King is arguably, I mean, the the whole movie, the 1994 original, is great all the way through. Yeah. It is one of those few movies that peaks in the first four minutes, but is also <laughs> pretty good all the way through. I mean, the opening <laughs> sequence. Like the Raiders of the Ark kind of scene? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the opening of Lion King, it, it was the trailer. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was yeah. the only trailer, main trailer they released was just the opening scene. It is so iconic. It is so perfectly executed yeah. from the music, the visuals, everything, the entire story it tells. It's, and I yeah. definitely know there's other, a lot of other movies that have done this trick of just release a scene that's your trailer. But Lion King is the pinnacle of it in my mind. It is so perfect and so hype yeah. inducing. And like, I have yeah. to imagine. You know, yeah, especially I mean, we now. got fucking hyped for that baby lion. I mean, yeah. I've never seen more, and it's got to put a lot of you know a lot of expectations on his shoulders. But man, yeah. hell of a baby lion. We were stoked for that lion. But yeah, it's. I think it's kind of like a little okay. tough in living nowadays to be around like computers and being able to do anything in 1994. Yeah, the ad animation was pretty stunning and incredible, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys know this, but the um, the wildebeest scene is the first time in history that computer animation yeah. was used to crush me. It was the first mm-hmm. time that anyone computer animated me being absolutely devastated. <laughs> so that was that was a cool fact. Yeah, it's when Mufasa uh, does, it's so sad. I, I mean, I'm sure, like there are there, you know like our our parents were devastated by Bambi's mother, but like Mufasa dying is just mm-hmm. and you watch in his eyeballs this lion realizing he's about to die, which is so intense. Yeah, and it's I haven't so okay. We have to wrap this up and come back to the movie in a second. We have other things we have to do before we can do all of this. But since we're here, I just want to finish the thought, which is Anthony. You mentioned that you've talked a lot about the the computer animated one now, and one of the criticisms I've seen a lot is that they don't do much facial emotion in any of the animals. They look like real ass lions, which are not the most articulate, right? Right. Animated animals. Think about this movie. That one of the things about this movie that's so incredible. Is the facial expressions, the emotion in their eyes, like like Mufasa realizing he's about to die, Nala's face when she realizes that Simba is alive, and then Nala giving Simba the fuck me eyes when she's on oh, her yeah. back. Like it is an incredible work. <laughs> hey, Ezra, come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, what would you call that? Literally, the the fuck me eyes from Nala. <laughs> It's genuinely one of the most famous pieces of animation of yes. all time. I and feel... certainly in the year of our Lord 2022 and the horny in it, the internet's gotten way too horny. We can all admit that, right? But I believe it started horny, but I'm with you on that. It's gotten way it's, horny. It's too horny. I agree in general. The fact that like, if you just say like Nala's eyes, everyone knows yeah. exactly what you're talking about. That's the quality animation Alex is talking about, you yeah. know. And to not have the eyes make okay, actually, also Ezra to have like done this, like, like this, this CG movie did not make me want to have sex with a lion. I don't. This is not good. No, I want to have sex with Nala. I want Simba to have sex with Nala. Okay, yeah. for her, that's what she wants. Okay. I want them both to have that. Mm. I. Ezra, I just want to say, for having done this show for, like, whatever, 35 years now, it's weird that you still just shake your head instead of respond. You still just, like, if I don't speak, I can kill this riff. 
I I mean I could definitely nudge it. I, I feel I feel comfortable. I can I can add some gravity. I want someone in the background to know that uh, if Ezra's not saying it, he, he he might not be loving this. Okay, we have a couple more bits. We have to News. get to a couple bits before we come back to the the movie, which we will. Um, I'm very excited to finish talking about this first. Um, Hunter's not here this week. You may have noticed. Um, oh, Hunter yeah. is is away. Um, also, if you want to see Ezra shake his head whenever something gets gross. Um, and you want to see Ezra's third background in three weeks. He's try- We're getting a tour of his house walls um, one at a time. Um, you can also watch the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Alex Falcone, um, where you can also see, you can see the video about We Live in the Future that I talked about last week. You can also see um, there or on TikTok or on Instagram, the first of our teeny tiny grant results yes. was posted today. So if you want to see three of our first grant recipients, those are all available. Um, as you remember... Ezra and I wrote a book for this podcast. Um, surprisingly, six years later, it went viral and sold a bunch. And so we used part of the profits to give away to people to make other people's days in chunks of exactly $11. So you can apply at teenytinygrant.org and you can get a uh, you can apply to get $11 to make someone's day. And we have we've gotten a lot. We've given a lot away. It's been really fun. We've got I've got our first results videos today. Our next one's coming out next week. And we've already got some results for the, the next week after that. So we're going to start rolling out. Um, some video clips and this one um, especially the uh, the third one on this little compilation that I did today um, really got me so I hope you can yeah. check that out um, yeah so that's the you teeny know, tiny I, grant I don't think anyone here doubts that you two are better people than the whole of the Walt Disney Corporation <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking you guys got a little bit of viral success. So you guys got yeah. what The Lion King, the musical, probably makes in an hour. Right. If that, right? Oh, probably I mean, yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. One minute. Yeah. yeah. You guys got a fraction of that. And you're fucking doing good with that. <laughs> we just spent a half hour talking about how much money the fucking musical has made. And Disney doesn't have a tiny tiny grant. Like, what, what product can, or what 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 charity can we set up with this money? Yeah, we don't even use grants. They could give Disney away is, tiny grants with every show of The Lion King. I'm sure Disney gives away some amount of money to charitable causes, but as a percentage of our success that yes. we've given away, ours yeah. is so much higher. <laughs> I mean, it is like it's a note. It's a, a prop. Like this will be a double digit percentage of the success in the long yeah. run is going to this. Yeah. It's crazy. Take it's that, Bob Chappakick, you <laughs> fucking cheap bastard. <laughs> fucking hate this guy. Bob is ruining Disney in front of our eyes in real time, and it's really upsetting to me. But Wait, you guys this, have is been the, to, this is the new CEO? This is the new yeah, CEO. Yeah, Bob. The new yeah, Bob. Yeah. Not Bob Iger. <laughs> Bob Iger was problematic, but seemed to have a good head on his shoulder. Bob Chappakick fucking sucks so much and is just doing one stupid fucking thing after another and is embarrassing disney i can't stand this fucking guy okay um, well i'm interested in this tell me more why why is what what's give me some examples what's he doing so bad he's just being like a he's like cutting budgets everywhere he's slashing stuff things that are like incredibly profitable and don't need to like Disney, mm. like Disney has this whole new thing. Like Disney's theme parks have started to like model themselves almost after mobile games, where they're oh. like they're expensive <laughs> for everyone to get in, but they're really trying to exploit their whales. You know, there's right. always been like special big money Disney clubs, 
but right. now I don't know if you guys saw this drink, this thing going around about the five thousand dollar drink at the Star yeah. Wars thing. You oh know, the cocktail. Just like, yeah, yeah, it's just whale hunting. It's just like they're treating people like mobile games now. Yeah, I um, mean, it really is interesting, and it, and I I don't think we talk about this enough that like. Apple is one of the most profitable companies of all time. And like a huge portion of that is just Candy Crush whales. It's yeah. just a few people who are spending insane amounts of money on mobile game things. Yeah. And that's what's making this such so profitable. He's but out there like actively fighting with creatives over money stuff, not even like product stuff. Like Katzenberg or whatever was like a dumb asshole, but at least he like thought he was right for like the integrity of the movie or whatever he was always right. wrong you know katzenberg famously thought lion king was going to be a massive disaster and like went all in on pocahontas the same year because that was going <laughs> to be the big one and no one gave a shit about lion king he famously wanted to cut a uh, part of your world from um the little mermaid because he thought that song sucked he just oh. every good thing in all the disney <laughs> well, movies but at least has such a recent success with Quibi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least he's like made all that back emotionally with Quibi. Yeah, it's not who laughs then, it's who laughs last. And it's, it's who laughs the shortest. Of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, all right. Well, so I hate the new Bob. It is just funny that as a percentage, Bob has been so many of the CEOs yeah. of Disney. Um, okay, the other thing I want to say really quick, that was most of the personal news. One other quick bit of personal news is that I'm going to, we're going to have no episode next week. We're taking the week off because I'm going to be in Europe. I'm going to be in Amsterdam next week. Um, Ezra, I feel like you've traveled a lot more than I have. Do you have any like Europe trips that I tips that I need to think about today before I head off? Oh, just speak really loudly. I think people love that. <laughs> yeah. Be as American as you can. Put a big American flag on your bag so people know that you're an American. Okay. Um, okay. These are good tips. So just loud and fl bag flag. Sure. I mean, uh, my my, my go-to is anytime you are you know talking to someone, ask them where you should eat. Just everybody, um, all the time. Every single person, you know, because like you know, it's 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 a it is a thing you'll have to do fairly often uh, you know, as a human. I'm assuming. Uh -huh. and, and then uh, um, make fun of the portions when you do eat. You know, really, <laughs> just be like, that's it. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely a normal human, Ezra. I eat six to twelve times a day. <laughs> And very little, uh, you know, electricity. Absolutely, mostly, <laughs> yeah, percent. Yeah, it's mostly not batteries. It's mostly food. I swear, mm. no, almost no lubricant uh, <laughs> in my eye holes. I like that. Just get any um, constantly what to, where to eat? Yeah, you have to get any vaccinations to go where you're going. Is that yeah, a get, thing? Get all I did your not shots. have to get any additional vaccinations this time mm. around, but I would have if I could get the monkeypox vaccine. I would. Mm. Because that I mean, sounds you can't, like a you, can't, you can you just have to kind of make it yourself from being near a lot of monkeys. Yeah. That could work. That could yeah, work. Just get a lot um, of monkey rubbins. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of monkey rubbins. Also a <laughs> <Yeah>. travel tip. <laughs> How are you, monkey? Uh, I mean, like if you have, I mean, I check your credit cards. If you have any cards that um don't charge the foreign uh, transaction fees, uh, like use that primarily. Um, yeah, I like I like to instead of like exchanging beforehand, I just like to take cash out. Uh, you know, or my ATM if I've yeah yeah if it doesn't charge me for that that I mean other than that yeah that's pretty good bring snacks that's pretty good yeah bring a bunch a of um 
USA USA DVDs and then complain oh, how the yeah. DVD players won't play your stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to watch my fucking Batman Begins DVD and your <laughs> DVD player won't take it. All right. So I've heard that I have to bring a plug adapter, but I should also bring regionally specific DVDs. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. What about a bunch of like, um, can you get one of those jackets that has like all like the sort of like, compartments and just like have like all your sunglasses oh, yeah. in there and just open up where like you kind of like just like you know, sure, selling sure. your wares on the street. Where it's like, hey, pockets. Yeah. Genuine Ray-Bans. Anyone? Anyone? Right. These are pretty good advice. Pretty good advice. <laughs> um, I like all of this. Um, all right. Yeah. That's that's the first half of the game. That's the news. Let's wrap up and let's go back to Lion King. I think that's what we're really here for. Mm-hmm. Hell Yeah. <laughs> This week, segment two of the game, this week we're talking about The Lion King, as you've figured out by now, the 1994 American animated musical drama directed by Roger Allers and Rob Minkoff, with original songs by Elton John and Tim Rice, um, Mm -hmm. starring, in no particular order, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Matthew Broderick, James Earl Jones, Jeremy Irons, Moira Kelly, Nathan Lane, Rowan Atkinson, Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin, just an incredible cast. Um, this is, and we are, we traveled here via Jeremy Irons from um, Dead Ringers last week. Um, I think we're the a- only people who've seen these movies back to back. I have to guarantee that, right? <laughs> I I think that is a safe bet. Mm. I think it is not a common move, but we made it. Um, this is the filth, fifth film produced during the Disney Renaissance. And according to Disney, it's based on absolutely nothing. It is clearly their own IP that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> mm. um, although uh, it looks a lot like Hamlet and also apparently looks a lot like the 1960s anime series Kimba the White Lion. Well, yeah, so I was going to ask, have any of you guys ever seen Kimba the White Lion? I haven't. No, I, I just read I remember this controversy, controversy back it in is, the day. I mean, it is, so it is like fairly like similar in certain things. They are very different works. but yeah, one's white, one's yellow. But like instead, there's a lot of like images and stuff like that that are kind of shared between them. But I think that's, you know, like just doing sort of classical mythic storytelling with lions. Right. You're going to hit the same beat. It's, you know, like if you're you're making a movie about lions, you're going to have a joke about pride at some point. You know, like you're going to have the same. Also, I did think Kimba, the name is like a little bit similar, but it turns out Simba is just Swahili for lion. So they just named him lion their baby lion is just named lion that's pretty lazy yeah mm-hmm. um also as i mentioned previously I mean, I guess I mentioned on Mufasa's part that's pretty lazy i guess i, I say right like on, on yeah 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 exactly Mufasa doesn't name him uh rafiki names oh simba right he has the whole naming ritual well, it was a christening. i didn't know thing. he came up with the name but i guess that makes yeah. sense yeah, he like well, he let the earth tell him what name for him it was, right? And the name he came up with was Lion. Lion that is yeah. a that monkey is like phoning it in a little bit he's in his a, late career. He's a goddamn snake oil salesman. No one <laughs> he, he really the monkey is literally a fucking. He is the spiritual sub advisor to the king, which historically. Right. Have always just been fucking fraud snake oil yeah. salesmen. Yes, very, very commonly a fraud position. Uh, also, later he like he gives a lot of like pretty generic advice to Simba. Uh, I mean, probably look, my favorite line in this movie is after Simba has his conf- like not confrontation, but the scene with Mufasa in the clouds. The way Rafiki comes in and goes, "What was that?" 
I think it's very funny for something supernatural to happen and yeah, someone yeah, to come yeah. in and be like, the fuck just happened? It's Always crazy weather. Always a good uh, joke for me. Ezra, what were you going to say? Well, I mean, first, I guess I want to just like shout out to Rafiki's voice, uh, who's uh, Robert Guillaume, who like oh, yeah. saw on a bunch of things within, without realizing it, like in uh, Sports Night. Um, mm-hmm. was, uh, Isaac, he was uh, a doctor in Big Fish. Um, I just, oh, I, know, yeah. I, I, I forgot, one, how much I loved Rafiki when I watched this growing up, and also how yeah. little he's in it, uh, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, especially right. the first half. Well, he's a fraud, so <laughs> don't okay. give him too much stage time. Uh <laughs> It is it is weird that they did include that part where he um, circumcises Simba. That was also strange. I feel mm. like you could have skipped that scene. As as we talked about, this spawned the most successful thing ever, which is the Broadway musical. It also spawned two direct to VHS sequels, a few TV shows, and the 2019 CGI remake, which nobody liked and still grossed 1.6 billion dollars. Um, and is the most successful animated film of all time, ahead of Frozen. So. The Lion King, the musical, is the most successful thing ever, and the Lion King remake that no one likes is the most successful animated film of all time. That's the power of the Lion King, baby. It's crazy. I mean, um, this movie does, even 20-something years later, right? This movie does have, like, a power to it, right? Yeah. This yeah. is, like, a a magical artifact. Like, you watch this it's movie, hard. and you're still, like, enthralled by it. And moved, It's hard and to it's... separate this from the fact that I did see it 27,000 times mm. as a kid it was one of like the four Disney movies we had in those mm. clamshell VHS's um, but I think that even without that and if I was seeing it for the first time today I would still be kind of I would still I mean, be yeah, I mean this know. was the first movie I remember that like a theatrical event really mattered in a mm. way that was like tangible to my day-to-day life like I can so clearly remember you left school pre-Lion King on Friday, the world was one way. You came back <laughs> Monday. Half a changed half man. Kids, no, half the kids had seen Lion King, right? And it was something that was being talked about in hushed whispers. It was something that, like, people didn't want to spoil things. And this was, like, the first time when I really remember feeling, because, like, I didn't see Lion King for a while because we were poor and we didn't go to first fun movies. But... Right. Um, I it was the first movie I remember really being like this was like had a cultural impact. Like it just entered the lexicon immediately. People were saying jokes from it, people were referencing it. Um Yeah, in a way I hadn't experienced before, you know? Yeah. It's it's okay, so for those of you who have not seen it or you haven't seen it in a little while, allow me to summarize with my patented five point micro summary. This is the Lion King, nineteen ninety-four. Things are going great in the jungle monarchy. Everything is flourishing, and the King Mufasa and Queen Sarabi have just birthed an heir that will one day take over the Pride Lands, and they uh, allow a monkey to name him Simba, which is just Lion um, in Swahili, and is also Disney for Hamlet. But <laughs> there's trouble a-brewing, because the King's brother, who from his looks uh, is probably from a different mom, um, is soups jealous that he doesn't get to be king, and also probably a little annoyed that the firstborn son got the cool name Mufasa, and he got named Scar, which is what? pretty... What was his first name? Because that couldn't have been it, right? Like, mm. I know? feel like I feel like the odds are this monkey was like second kid, call him Scar, got places to be. Like, <laughs> gotta go, yeah, uh, Scar, second, <laughs> no? Okay, great, it's Scar. <laughs> He, I mean, yeah, I, I, maybe it's, 
maybe it's like um, something cool and then quotes Scar, quotes Lion or whatever his na- full name is. But it definitely, Scar is just not, that's not going to be the hero of a story. There's no way. Scarface? Was he, he was a good guy, right? Everyone loved him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, definitely. he definitely, he has a big old scar. So, you know, it's a real chicken or the egg thing. Which one came <laughs> first, you know? Oh, right, right. Like where it's like someone's last name is medicine and they go into being a doctor and you're like, wait, yeah. well, was it because you're named that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Elbow Tufts also would have been a good name for him, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> also well, Gaunt, I thought maybe. Um, <laughs> he was a skinny lion. Yeah. Yeah, Scraggly the Lion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would have called him like, hey, there's a sandwich in the fridge, uh, the lion, because there's, man, that guy needs some pounds. Anyway, so Scar is all pissed off about his name and being the second in line and, you know, being skinny, all that stuff. Yeah, and, and so it really he... seems like the animators were trying to express a certain something with his movements. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, there's a certain je ne sais quoi to the yeah, way yeah. they animated him that. I don't know. Something kind of feel. It feels a little offensive and a little lazy by modern standards. <laughs> I can't quite figure out what it was. Oh, I thought but, I knew what you're talking about. Uh, now I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I'm just talking about how incredibly queer coded all the Disney villains were, but in particular is so incredibly over the top in how they they animate him. Like Jeremy Irons' performance leans into that a little bit. But huh. all of Scar's animations, right? They're all like incredibly limp wristed. He's constantly like mm-hmm. putting a finger up to his mouth. The way he mm-hmm. like slinks around, like all again, like all the main Disney villains, like from like Ursula, Jafar, and Aladdin is very queer coded. Uh, Scar is incredibly over the top in terms of well. So that's how they animate. I wanted to talk about later was about how all these villains kind of rule, and so now I'm all now I'm very confused. I mean, like, obviously Scar's not, like, a good guy, but, like, the the song is the best song in the movie. And yeah, Ursula's I mean, song is the best song in that movie. Yeah. The villains I, are I've great. I've forgotten how... I mean, they're great villains. I love... I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's, it's a very tired trope. And yeah, Disney no, used it a lot in the 90s. Um, and it's, it's a way that I think it's kind of, like, sort of had the opposite effect of what they did. I mean, my biggest problem with Skur is like, I had forgotten how much of just like straight, like the, all of be prepared turns into like triumph of the will. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Really, really like, obvious. Yeah. yeah I was Nazi imagery. Yeah. Yes. And it is like, so incredibly, I had forgotten how blatant all of that was well, in the movie. I mean, all of this is like, this, I guess my main thought that I was thinking, like, watching that song was, like, how did all of us not turn out more evil? Because so many of the villain songs are so good that, I mean, almost every movie, I think the villain song is the best song in that movie. Yeah, I think you prepare to watch the movie all the way through, because then you realize, like, you know what? Maybe, even though this person had a real hit on their hands, they <laughs> turned out not great. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, like, it seems fun until you're getting eaten by hyenas. Yeah, that's the and then that kind of puts a kibosh on your. I'm not saying that I plans. want to be one. I'm just saying that I'm surprised I don't because he has the best song. Uh, I mean, I, Alex, 
plenty of people did turn out bad. So don't say. Well, I mean, so you're wrong. Oh morning. man! Right now, um, this is just the, this is the, actually the Lion King effect. This is actually the thing we didn't realize is that everyone yes. has come of age, and the, new uh, Nazis are like are people who watch that. I the I mean I like we've talked. I mentioned this on the show before, but I'm just I'm like thinking about it again. I'll probably make a TikTok about it in the next couple weeks because I'm, I'm briefly obsessed with it at the moment. But like the that song is so good be prepared yeah. is so so good and it's got in addition to the other things it's got it's also got like a lot of volcanic green volcanic yeah. activity yeah. in the elephant graveyard it's just so badass but just as a song and it's got just like the lyrics are so so good um Man, jeremy Alex Iron delivers them really well it's oh, so yeah. brilliantly Actually, delivered he didn't, he didn't even sing the whole thing though because he was i think out for one of it so we got ed cummings uh who's doing the voice uh oh. Well, yeah, like for, for part of it, I guess. Well, I think, like, and I gotta say, Alex, that's why um, you know one of the most upsetting things about the remake—the one song they cut—be <gasps> prepared. Are you uh, serious? That's they unforgivable. Do, they do a very short, truncated version mm. because here's the biggest problem. Like I, it's something I had forgotten while until rewatching the original last night was how abstract and surreal some of the musical sequences get specifically be prepared and um when i'm king or what's the name of that right. song just can't wait to be uh, king yeah just can't wait to be king they get so incredibly surreal and yeah yeah like, yeah wild yeah. and abstract in terms of their imagery and they can't do that again because mm. they're fucking ridiculous super they set up their own rule that there was no fun yeah. allowed so both of those sequences are completely redone in way the most unimaginative, unlike fun ways possible. But be prepared. They literally took like a line from each verse, stapled them together, and it's just a lion walking around, kind of singing uh... for like 30 seconds, and then the song is over. But it's the one song they cut. Let me just run through a couple of others because Poor Unfortunate Souls is the best part of that movie. It's just an unbelievable performance. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing song. Hellfire, uh, like Hunchback is not a great, great movie, but Hellfire is one of the most fucked up songs I've ever heard. It's Mm -hmm. like, if this lady will not have sex with me, I will do genocide. Like, it's so gnarly and it's really well written. Um, In Moana, uh, Jermaine absolutely slays the song Uh, Shiny. So cool, so <laughs> fun. I mean, even like if you go back, like Cruella Deville, which is like it's technically like about her, not by her, but it's like that's the catchiest song, best song in 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, Gaston um, has a really great song. Gaston in Beauty is and the, Beast. the best song in Beauty and the Beast. It's so good. It makes me want to eat eggs right hey, now. That's not, wait, wait, that's not, not true. Yeah, Be Guest is by okay, far the best song in Beauty and the Beast. Don't be a okay. fucking asshole here, Alex. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Okay, but you, okay, one of the best songs. I mean, Gaston is still brilliant. You're right. Be our guest is really, yeah. really good, but but um, Gaston is yeah. so so good. Like they just, it just makes all the villains seem too cool. I'm sure there's others I can't think of right now, but the, anyway, yeah, no, I look, they are they are really really good. Uh, the thing that actually I came away with this it was just like, oh wow, this movie is all very avoidable. Like right, you could you could you could end this movie very early on, where it's just like, hey, you know my brother who is clearly evil, who I know is evil. <laughs> He's mm. like literally son. threatening me every time I speak yeah, with him. My, my only son, maybe don't trust your uncle that much, which is just <laughs> yeah. <good> advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, for sure. Also, like, 
Even if the good uncle, you should be like, you know what? Your uncle might say some things that aren't exactly true. That's just good, solid uncle and advice. As a general rule, uncles will tell you some uncle. shit. Well, if an uncle tells you a place is a fun place to go, it's probably not age appropriate for you. That's I mean, a that's general uncle rule. Between, I think, probably most of us and like villains in especially like stories involving monarchs when it's like, yeah, I get you don't get to be king. But being like the Duke of the Plains or whatever the fuck you seriously is, doesn't seem yeah. like a bad life, sco, right? Like I get I mean, you sour grapes like, about history it, suggests right? that the, that that they're not always satisfied with it, but it does seem like you have like one of you have possibly the best existence where you don't have to do any of the work and you get all of the stuff. It's a silver yeah. medalist problem, right? Because like I think bronze medalists are actually usually happier than silver medalists because they are mm. so close actually yes, to actually having I've heard all this. Um, this is like there's actually been studies of this, and and bronze medalists are like I always when I want to be bronze, I want to for sure. So, um, <laughs> but no, I, I think the thing is, it's a it's some way it's a management issue of like Mufasa is like you know what I have this problem person uh, in this like a small key, and I I don't know what to do with them. Well. I'm not gonna <laughs> let's leave that for later. I'll um, just ignore it and let my son hang out with him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, it should just be like you know what I realize. You know, Scar, you are super valuable to this lion organization. This this pride. Yeah. We we like to think of ourselves as a family uh, here, <laughs> and you're a big part of that. And and can you please, uh, you know, um, and just give him some job that he thinks he'd be good at. You know, like you go be evil over here intentionally. Like be right. evil at our enemies. That's fine. Just don't be evil. Right, at right. Us, yeah. You're you're right? uh, in charge of defending the left wall to do. or something. Yeah. The um okay so let me get back to the summary so uh Scar's got a crappy name that's how far we got oh my god um, so he's evil so he uh, murders the king and tells Simba it's his fault and to run away and then he is like he lets all the hyenas back into the Pride Lands so baby Simba takes this very seriously assumes he's done a murder he runs and runs until he meets two friends a wisecracking meerkat and a farty pig who raise him to eat bugs and not give a fuck. Um, <laughs> while meanwhile, back home, Scar is such a bad manager that it stops raining. Alex, I just like the idea that like, like <laughs> you have like a depressed kid and the, the <laughs> like this like meerkat and pig are just like, boo, you know, it's better not worrying about it. <laughs> have you tried not giving a shit? Eat this bug. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, but Scar is such a bad king that it stops raining on the Pride Lands, which is like mm. your management is really bad when it causes a drought of that level. Um, so he's back doing bad. Simba grows into a horny teenager, and then just in time, his childhood girlfriend shows up and gives him some some very suggestive looks and cat nuzzling, which um, made Ezra uncomfortable, but it's not quite enough to make Simba go back and take over his kingdom. But then a very funny baboon gives him a mild concussion and some water trickery. So he goes, fine, I'll go back. And he decides to go back. Uh, he fights with his uncle who, uh, when he definitely did not need to, uh, unforced error confesses to the murder of Mufasa. Um, while right before Simba, he throwing Simba off a cliff, which is so, maddening and enrages Simba so much that he is able to fly so he flies up and around from the cliff situation and then kicks Scar's ass and then um his good and he takes back over the kingdom and his goodness is so powerful it immediately starts raining again <laughs> yeah yeah checks I out. mean that's fucking good mythical storytelling right yes. I mean it's yes, what it it's, again it goes into like the power of this movie right it's like those things where like Scar is such a corrosive evil force that the world literally reflects 
that, right? Like that's the power of the being the king in this world. That's the importance of being good. It is, like I said, that just like that mythical storytelling tropes this movie leans into. It's beautiful. There's so many things. Yeah, that's the same thing with like the volcanic activity in the um, elephant graveyard. That's like, this doesn't seem like it's, this seems like it's largely a metaphor, Um, but also is visually very, very cool. also, there, you know, I, it is interesting watching all of this as an adult. I think this is the first time I've seen The Lion King in a long time, I think, um, the, the animated movie. Um, and it is it is really interesting to watch all of the scenes about father and son from when I used to be son age and now I'm father age, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm still a son, but you know what I mean? As especially, right? Yeah. You know how, it, it probably hits a little different. It's weird. It's weird. It's different. Also, I think like the... Well, for me, the weirdest part is that I can't just can't wait to be king is a weird thing when right before Mufasa's like, hey, man, I'm going to die and you're going to be king. And then like Simba's like, awesome, man, this is going to be great. I mean, I, that's mm. that's what's so great about that song is that he it, he's you know, he's like two. So he doesn't fully grok what it yeah. means to become king and what it will cost him. I mean, he did just say he's like, look, I'm going to die and you're going to be king. Yeah, but and- he was not old enough to really understand what that meant. He, he also said we're going to be together forever. Right. Well, all right. Metaphor is tricky. And yeah. well, well, also, like he does say all this stuff about what he's going to do when he's king, and then Zazu, who's his babysitter for the day, the royal advisor says, "If this is where the monarchy is headed, count me out." Like that to a two-year-old. That's what he says when a two-year-old describes his kingdom. Also, well, it's, okay. It's also <laughs> weird. Terrible like, bit of advice. Places out guess, of Africa, which makes me think, like, wait, what's like, what is Zazu's understanding of the world? Like, how does he know? <laughs> <laughs> like like where is he? like that's a good point yeah. yeah you guys gotta remember that song is also a clever diversion tactic to get away from yes. Zazu so the yeah, whole thing true. is a song and dance literally to get him oh I mean, so they can get away right so who knows how funny to say, mean I wish I had something funny to say about this but all, like the movie is very compact and it, it is just so like clear five days it, it happened basically it's, <laughs> right and it, well but also it's like yeah it's like whatever 70 minutes and it just keep 80 minutes just burns right along and that song is a diversion to get away from zazu but it's also a classic like a hopes and aspiration song, song. Yeah. yeah exactly so you get yeah. really- song, which is in every disney movie at this exact point in the movie the character yeah, I mean, it's a song about it all musicals you do yeah yeah we used to call it a hopes and aspirations song but I it's wish, like yeah. you clearly get across the pers- the the character's goal but in a fun way that's also doing this other thing in the story that is uh that's also giving this secret while saying what he actually wants is showing us actually he doesn't understand that what he wants is going to destroy him mm. um it's it's such a compact piece of writing that is also a terrific song and a really fun visual number i mean it, it like yeah it works it, i guess because it maybe that is the impressive thing whenever anytime you see a movie that's, that's paced well and you really enjoy it it probably means that they're doing multiple things well at the same time everything yeah. is doing multiple things and it's so so impressive man but also, to go back for the, the thought of being, like, on the adult side, I do feel like he's not well babysat, like you were just talking about before. He, like, mm. hang out with Scar. It's not very, yeah, very loosey-goosey um, mm. parenting. Mm. Um, also, they have to watch it also. What? The African planes in the 90s were different. This was before well, Stranger true. Danger. This was before yeah. the satanic panic. Yeah, you this know, is when you just let your doors open on the cage. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, yes. a baby lion can't go anywhere without an adult. He's you know, but phone the, also. Yeah, he's just he can't you know? get his phone. Um, the no, 90s but, but, were different. The 90s yeah. were different. No, but here's the thing. 
they have just the one kid. There's really no excuse if this is like, you know what, our entire way of life depends on this kid being a good kid. Like, you could probably raise that one better than just with that with with Zazu. I'm just gonna say that. Oh yeah, and yeah. I mean yeah, it takes a village. You have a village. Go for it. Do yeah, something. It takes a village. Oh, not Zazu. Not Mr. Bean. Also, oh, but, oh, the other thing though, just from like an adult perspective, is the scene after the elephant graveyard where Mufasa does some oh, parenting. Yeah. Mm. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, guys, but that seemed like a pretty solid bit of parenting. Yeah, I mean, where I love making lies up about the stars. Also. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so he so okay, so first he's like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, which we all know killer father move mm. works every time. Second of all, he sh- he's a little bit vulnerable, so he shows strength, but while keeping himself relatable, shows that it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about being cowboys. You can you know, adults have emotions too. Makes him think about what he's done, makes him feel bad, but then also has a good time, turns it into a fun wrestling thing, so it's yeah. a teachable moment. Yes, and then he true. makes up some nonsense about magic to keep him in line in the future. It's, that is pretty good. I, I will say, it wasn't quite believable because he said, he said, what, I'm disappointed. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Instead of saying, I'm not mad, I'm just so, so tired. I'm just so <laughs> tired, son. And he's not only a parent, he's also the king. Yeah, Dude's he's probably a little him. tired. Mm-hmm. A lot of meetings. Um... Yeah, I, I I did like that stuff just like uh that definitely made me emotional on the airplane while I was watching this. Um oh, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's good. I think you could cry easier because of the air pressure maybe uh, at at like 30,000 oh, feet. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. I'm at lower PSI that high up. Um I was also in first class um and Ooh, <laughs> I love that you're ruined someone's experience next to him as like this like 30 something year old man is sobbing uncontrollably watching the line. This is what I was going to say like like so I so I just every once in a while, I get randomly bumped up to first class. Um, and so, because uh, I, I fly too much. So I got bumped up to first class. And like, I'm just pick like what the business people sitting around me, like the old people with their Wall Street journals, they just see like me crying at a movie from 30 years ago. Like, like it oh must have been God. a weird experience. Glenn, yeah. have you ever seen this? This is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. Also, a funny thing about being in first class uh, when you don't do it, ever is that when they anna- like they announced we're beginning our initial descent i was like kind of sad i was like oh i'm oh, not no. gonna be shit anymore <laughs> i'm, <laughs> I'm such a big back. deal right now i get coffee in a ceramic <laughs> cup instead of a paper cup like it's a huge deal and I'm then no as soon as i land I'll just be- <laughs> yeah i just want lion king and, and free coffee to last forever Ugh. sorry buddy anyway. anyway it was very emotional but especially the parenting stuff and yeah no, and totally. man Mufasa dying. It's brutal. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I that, that sequence is still like so visually impressive just yeah. from a, like a technical autistic yeah. standpoint. The way they do the music, the like their choice of like when to do dramatic zooms or they do like, yeah. you know, that really famous shot technique when you push in and zoom out at the same time. Like oh, yeah, doing yeah, the, the, the in yeah, animation. Lord of the Rings yeah. thing. Right the, the yeah. Ring rates like shh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When you have that massive focal change, like doing that in an in like conventional cell animation, using like really, really early CG for like the wildebeest sequence. Yeah. Um, it's just it is just filmmaking that holds up so well yeah. today. And it's still so tense. And like just the amount of things that are happening when like Mufasa's running along the wildebeest. Just how much work had to go into a sequence like that. It's yeah. 
it's amazing. Again, it's that really Jer- Jeffrey Katzenberg saw that and was like, "No, Pocahontas is where the money's at." <laughs> this wildebeest if you thing take, ain't you take shit. One thing away from this, it's what an idiot Katzenberg right, was. And yeah, and he was yeah. the one. Yeah, he, so he, Elton John, had to lobby him to get uh, "Can You Feel Love Tonight" back in as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, as a kid, that was definitely my least favorite part. Uh, was when it got on mushy. Mm. Um, but as an adult, but now it's well. What I love about that. <laughs> What I love about that is not how horny it makes me for lions. What I love about that is that it's this beautiful song of them falling in love along with his friends being like, well, he's got a girlfriend. We'll never see him again. And it's (laughs) a really until there's another lion involved. And then we're out. (laughs) Exactly. It was real. It's a really it's a really solid song. I mean, like the songs are so good. I also I mentioned this last week of preview, but I really do. I, I, I really like the song about pig farting. But it is weird to have Kuna had. Matata? <laughs> Did uh, you just yeah. call Kuna Matata the song about pig farting? You know, the most me famous song. Tell me it's not. I just, it's about more than that. And it's yeah, probably the just. most famous cultural artifact from this movie. And he and called it, it yeah. the And what's amazing song. is to have that, to have that. This is probably the top selling song about pig farts of all time. Top oh. five. <laughs> I mean, I, like he's also the point That's of the what song Inter-Club was also about. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what what's great is like we don't know what why Timon is an outcast. We never hear about it, but we know that Puma is an outcast from the warthog community. He lives outside in the mud, and he smells so bad when he toots that he's not allowed near. He's been excised from the community. Yeah, wait, what is Timon's deal? We don't know. We have no idea what crimes did he commit. He might be a real bad man. He's just a nihilist. I killed a lot of people. (laughs) I mean, besides, yeah. I mean, like, it's crazy to have such a catchy, successful song about pig farts. And also, why is farting so bad for the warthog community? It is that smelly. It is that intensely smelly. What was he eating? I mean, he must be sick. This must have been a medical thing. The the one thing I will give the remake is I do think Timon and Pumbaa are the best thing about the remake, um, played by Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner. Eichner, is that yeah. Eichner, yeah. Eichner, Eichner, yeah. Billy yeah. on the street. Yeah, Billy on the street. Billy Eichner. Um, they are legitimately fantastic in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like a very realistic warthog and uh, <laughs> what is Timon Meerkat. again? Meerkat. Meerkat. Super realistic meerkat. I like the most. Is he amazing? No, he's a meerkat. Yeah, but he is like they are really (laughs) funny. They add a lot of fresh new jokes to it that are actually that actually work, unlike all the other new jokes they try to add. But in this one, I mean, it's the reason why I think Timon and Pumbaa. I imagine they're the best part of the live show. They're the best part of the movie. They're the reason why they kind of went on to get like so many spinoffs and sequels that are very centric and like centered around them um they just really work as characters i love movies that have characters that show up at like a halfway point halfway Mm -hmm. point oh yeah really kind of change the tone of the movie and the where the story goes it's it's great i've heard i think this like maybe like i don't know if it's the right term but it's like a like a like a rocket it's like a rocket ship character, basically, who just like launches the 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 plot tra- trajectory. Yeah. Like you know, when it's about to lag, it's like boom, and we're up again. Yeah, I love oh. that's great. That's great. Um, all right, we should wrap up on this. We've already talked longer than the movie, probably. This is probably, um, this is probably the most okay. 
iconic moments per minute, I think is probably like among the highest like uh, I can think about, right? Where it's like the things that are seared into your brain for how short this actually movie is. This yeah. is like yeah. a lot of really like, oh man, this is, I remember this so deeply and this felt like it was so uh, impactful. Um, there's a lot of that in, in a very short amount of time. Yeah, it really is incredible. Also, the movie, like the writing credits, there's like 27 writers credited, mm. um, which is insane. Like, there's no way this should have worked. The, there's like screenplay by three people, but the story by is like a whole company. I mean, it really feels like it should not work. I mean, that um, is kind of how all of Disney's movies are made, right? Especially old cell animated movies. It's such a collaborative process, right? They are... You know, you get up the entire movie on storyboards first mm-hmm. before you even start to animate frames for it. So there's a lot of like rearranging the storyboards, throwing out whole sequences, doing new ones, right? You mm-hmm. you see these great behind the scenes footage of a bunch of like writers and creators in a room just literally going frame by frame or like sequence by sequence, designing them for maximum potency right so like that's where you get a lot of these things and then you get great comedic talent like nathan lane and and people who can kind of like add a lot of stuff just during the process of recording like it's added in it's you know the big collaborative really really worked for a few years and then occasionally after that like one out of four but there was a few years where the run i mean this was such an incredible run yeah, I mean um, the the second renaissance we're in now has also been pretty good. Last like ten years, kind of starting in the post Tangled timeline. Yeah, it's uh, Tangled is absolutely like where the second Disney Renaissance began, and yeah, from there, sure. almost everything they've done has been pretty great. I mean, it, so so according to the, the Wikipedia, the the first Renaissance is Little, Little Mermaid, Mermaid. Yeah. Rescuers Down Under. Uh, uh, I mean, and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan. And not all of those are great. I mean, in no. addition to Pocahontas being a piece of shit, Hunchback is okay. Um, mm. Hercules is okay. Tarzan yeah. is not great. No. I mean, Hercules, there's some cool elements. Elements. There's some cool Hercules is all great. Mulan is great. Yeah, uh, but great. yeah, I would, I would say Hercules is kind of the beginning of the... I mean, and then where's like treasure planet because that is like kind of what <laughs> officially kills the disney renaissance right well that and toy story coming out right. killing 2d animation just in general right right yeah yeah that's true that is true um super interesting okay well so let's 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 the last thing we have to do on the lion king our final order of business we have to decide where does this rank on the master list of the greatest films of all time of season what's five? Top five what's top five for us now Top five, The Third Man, Edge of Tomorrow, Eternal Sunshine, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I am going to start things off. Give me number six one. through ten real fast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, okay, but for the record, number one. All right, six through ten. Batman, Unforgiven, Apollo 13, the best movie of all time, Michael Clayton, and Out of Sight. I have to also say number one, I think. I don't like I don't know if it deserves it, but like I don't know where else I can put it. It's I mean, I thought the third man was brilliant. It is hard for me to say the third man is better than the Lion King, but we're back to that same problem we have with Apollo 13, which is one of the best movies of all time, which is that you know you take Lion King for granted. No, whereas I mean, Edge of Tomorrow I, I hadn't seen before. I genuinely think a lot of the movies on this list, like once you see like that top ten list. 
makes Apollo 13 look pedestrian as shit, dude. There's some good <laughs> fucking movies on that list. Apollo 13 is a great movie. It's very good. But uh, it's If Apollo it's 13 came list, out but... yesterday, it would be number one on our list. I have no doubt. But anyway, continue. That's that's not true. But it's funny. I'll, I'm so I just say... went to the Ultra Dimension where that happened, and it was not. It was 21. <laughs> yes. Anthony, where do you want to put it? That's a good fucking list of a lot mm-hmm. of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to... Did Hunter send in a vote? Did I did suggest? I, I sort okay. of feel like the reason he couldn't make it today is because he didn't have time to watch the movie, but he didn't say that, so I don't. Mm. Well, I think he's seen The Lion King before, but I think he's He's not voting, yeah. so it's just the three of us. I'm going to go. Give me that five mm. through ten one more time. All right. Uh, five through ten. Uh, good, bad, and the ugly is five. Then Batman, Unforgiven. Apollo 13, Michael Clayton, and Out of Sight. Mm, a lot of drama on this number. Very yeah. excited. Um, so, um, uh, let's and go you... with one after Batman. Um, okay, so seventh, you think? Seventh, yeah. The seventh best. Okay, well, that's a nice easy number. That's nine, which divides into three. Now, does three even mean above or below number three? I'm not sure we've really settled on this. I think it's, it's number three, right? I think it is yeah. above above the current three. That makes yeah, it exactly three. three. That is the new third best movie of all time, The Lion King. So the top three are now The Third Man, Edge of Tomorrow, and The Lion King. Um, pretty good list. Pretty good yeah. list. I think that's a decent place for a Pretty good up. movie. Um, I, so I was talking to... Um, I want to get you guys' opinions on this last night, and especially mm-hmm. you as someone who has kids. Yeah. Um, have your kids been one interested in any of these remakes, or mm. do you think? Okay, because I think okay, we all can all admit the Lion King nineteen ninety four is one of those movies that's going to be with us forever. Like people are going to show their kids that their old kids are going to show their kids that. Yep. Do will Lion King twenty nineteen or whatever. Will that just be uh, like a weird novelty blip? Like, do you think your kid would want to watch that over the animated one? Um, so mm-hmm. I can say that I think they rewatched the Aladdin remake at one point when they had the choice between both. Um, mm-hmm. But they weren't compelled. Like when they love a movie, they'll go back to it many, many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was like, I think that maybe they saw Aladdin once or twice and they saw the the. Aladdin remake once or twice, also, right? Interesting. Um, so they bounced mm. off both of them. Yes, yeah, so they tried both, and but it wasn't like it was it wasn't one that stuck. I guess either way. Um, whereas like they were on like Goofy movie and extremely Goofy movie, like you know for like a good like week or so, right? And they, right. there's like mm. fifty times we saw Encanto, and there's like a whole bunch of um, uh, My Neighbor Totoro that we saw. Like you know, uh, mm. there's like a lot. Of, there's some things where there's they'll, they'll latch on to it. I feel like I can't see the world where this is the thing that will be the thing that they love. Um, in part, maybe because it's not weird enough. Like they, they, right. like, like I, I, like that, that, that a remake. Like I think they want something that that they latch their teeth into a little bit, and that they can like really recite, and that feels distinct, I guess. Um, yeah. And even if it's not perfect, I think the 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 bumpiness of it sometimes, like the rough edges, that's sometimes where they can get in and like be like, oh yeah, this is the thing that I love. Mm, um, yeah, I mean, your kids do watch and enjoy like conventional 2D cell animation. Still, yes. they're not like completely spoiled by like CG animation, right? No, no, no. They'll they'll, they'll definitely do like you know like hand drawn stuff. I think they won't. Mm. They won't always who's make we, a distinction. Who's of, doing? Who's doing hand drawn 
new stuff. Nobody, right? It's all um, CG 2D, right? Yeah, I right. Mean, so I, I, guess I should say a lot of the, a lot of the shows that stuff. Studio Ghibli still well, does 2D okay. animation, anim, anim, anim. but well, but, but isn't, but isn't though, Studio right? Ghibli's new 2D not hand drawn? Isn't it CG now? I mean, it's I think it's like it's being done on like Wacom's right with like yeah, tablets yeah. and stuff like that. But I think it is still a similar esque process yeah. to mm-hmm. like the way 2D cell, conventional cell animation was done, right? But even I mean, if then, you, if you animate something on a Wacom tablet, it's then gonna be. You know the computer's going to do the in between cells. Right, right, and right. Like it'll it'll look a little cleaner than it than it should otherwise. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'll say yeah. So I think that they 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 could still do hand drawn for sure. I think there's definitely a lot of two D things they still watch, but mostly it's because um, there's a lot, in my opinion, there's a lot of still very good uh, like two D like you know digital, uh, but two D like TV shows they'd be watching, right? Yeah. Whereas like right. like the three D TV shows can look a lot worse on the whole. Um, yes. and like, and I would usually like get them away from like, say like the Paw Patrols and such, uh, cause that's, it, it looks like hot garbage and I, I hate it. Yeah. Um, but they're watching, um, big city greens, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, um, and like, uh, gravity falls, uh, like, and that's yeah. like 2d stuff. So like, or it's like maybe 2d with some extra elements, I guess is maybe how yeah, I'd say. I mean, it. the new one for me, is like, I will admit like it is so visually impressive the fact that you knowing all of this was made in the computer, how close to photorealism yeah. it looks. And like, there is something to that. There are like scenes in the new one that look so like just impressive from a technical thing, but so much is lost in having expressive characters and the yeah. rules of animation and what you can show with animation. Like, yeah, it's like the planes don't look as impressive, but they are so much more emotionally moving in the original even if they're simpler and even if it's just a still it's a you know look i can watch the original lion king and i know that is a still painting and then they're moving cut out characters around essentially on the painting to make that happen and like it's not as visually flawless as like the new one is but you just lose so much when the characters when you it has to look realistic and you cannot do like expressive character movements. You can't do I mean, fun I, animation stuff. I could not agree more, obviously. I mean, and I would love someone to be doing hand-drawn movies still. I mean, it's like, it is sort of unforgivable how many people have to work for how long to do that. And like, it is brutal. And like, when you do a lot of animation, I mean, you tend to like outsource a lot of it to countries where they work for very little money. And I, it's just hard to like say you really do need to do this anymore but man i love it it's so but also so like cool. it's not like cg animated movies have less crunch and less grind on them right those movies take just as long to make and just more people than it took would take a conventional 2d animation movie right is that true and it's yeah um for yeah for sure definitely more people work on like a modern pixar movie than worked on like any of these disney renaissance films when you think as of an like, hour thing, because I, mean, I feel like, look, I mean, obviously, you could make the, the like the in between frames are done automatically instead of having an in betweener crew, right? Like there are things that are being done much much faster with no human hours. So they is it just that they've added so much complexity that then they need more people to do that part? Well, yeah, I mean, you have to, you know, if you're thinking about like generating all the different assets that need to go in there, like being able to like, it is still like, rather than like with 2d animation, you know, you are like drawing 
the frames of the character. With like computers, you might be able to like you're still hand animating all the frames, but you're also now working in a 3D space. So you have to like have a real camera set in there, have to move it around, you know. And like and like the way the new Lion King is being made, a big part of why it got made is like John Favreau pushing this tech stuff that he's really into now, right? So like the way the Lion King was made, the new one, it was made like mostly in like VR spaces, right? They would actually they created the planes as a fully 3D space that you could put on a VR headset and walk around with fake V like holding like sticks and cranes that have little sensors that are pretending to be the camera. Right. Tell that sensor what lens you have and what shutter speed you're shooting in. And then you're like essentially filming a movie, but all in VR. Like characters are walking around in the space and you're following them with the camera. So you're doing all the real life camera movements you actually do in real life, but you're doing it in like a VR situation. So like the new Lion King is like a whole different animation standard and stuff than you would get even on like a normal Pixar animated movie. It's it's just, I, am, I am interested in learning, like, I, I will do some research into this because I'm not finding a quick answer, but just like the number of work hours that it took to make Snow White versus Moana or something like that. I think oh, that's a really I, interesting question. I guarantee you it's it's way more on the newer movies than it was on like the old so 2D animated movies. That's so interesting. Okay, well, um, let's let's wrap up on that. We have one more piece of business, which is that the next movie is chosen by Ezra. Ezra, Ooh. what are we watching next? Where are we traveling from here? I mean, okay. this is another killer's row of cast. There's a million places you can go. I'm so curious. There's one morally correct place you can go. And oh. that is the one that I am going to go to. So, I, well, it would be awesome to say, yes. for example, go to, uh, I don't know, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, for example, from Matthew Broderick would be a wonderful Yeah, movie. you could have um, gone to Soul Man <laughs> through James Earl Jones. Wouldn't that be fun if we talked about Soul Man on the There's podcast next week? Options. I would enjoy watching Ferris Bueller again. I would I would do that. Yeah. Um, but Have you guys seen actually... Soul Man? No. No. Oh, wait, oh, wait. You oh. should look at what that movie's about. I think I do know what that is. Oh, wait. wait about... Maybe we did watch this for the show. I, I wasn't there for that, but yes. I think yes, we, we did watch this for the show. That was crazy. <laughs> I forgot about the that. The most racist movies ever made. Yeah, just awful just appalling yeah. um we did okay. we did have to watch that well, one we're not doing um, that um but not no. the first time on the show i've claimed not to have seen a movie that i watched for the podcast uh, <laughs> which is this weird podcast just... is us trying to see if we've, if we've all seen this movie before um no <laughs> so we are moving uh via brian tochi uh who is who voiced uh, a fi- uh, fighting hyena uncredited uh brian tochi most famous probably for uh being in revenge of the nerds um hmm. But he also uh, provide additional voices for Iron Giant. So Hell we are yeah. going to Alex's pick. Double and animation week. We're going to do double animation week. And um, obviously this does some interesting things uh, to Hunter's perspective next week. Because this movie, unfortunately, also sets up our new worst movie of all time. The Avengers Endgame. Um, so yeah, we are now we are now dangerously close to Endgame. We're very close to Endgame, and I'm knowing you, Ezra. You have something worked out with Hunter for the pick after this, but um, I can't confirm or deny with him. Also, Hunter has a history 
a history of screwing you over. Like, will and, I trust Hunter again? Yes, that's an interesting question. Well, and, um, you know, to get um, Hunter's movie, we have to travel through two MCU movies. Oh god! So <laughs> I mean, the movie is going to be on card. I'm sure of it. We're going to find something that's after this. I'm just going to l- try to find a movie that is in the same aspect ratio as Hunter's movie because I think that's the only way we're going to get there. I'll offer him a deal, maybe. But hey, I'm so stoked to get to see Iron Giant. This is very it's a good one. Yeah, I've never seen it. So this is sort of like the flip side of having not like the way I've seen The Lion King a million times. I've never seen Iron Giant as a kid, so I'm only going to watch it with the adult perspective. You're going to love it. It's Iron Giant is so fucking flawless. It look, I don't know if you guys know this, but Brad Bird is a pretty goddamn good filmmaker. He's pretty good. Um, he's a weird libertarian, but he's also a pretty good... Um, I mean, I don't uh, think he is. I think that's people kind of misreading what all of his movies are about, but we can get into that next week. Um, I mean, Tomorrowland I, is like one of the worst philosophical movies I've ever seen. Uh, Tomorrowland's the exception and not a very good movie, but the rest yeah, of his movies, I think... Yes, yes he's a lot I, of great I work. I don't think... See, the thing is, I think people misunderstand him as like an objectivist, and what he really is is a genuine child prodigy. I don't know if you know about Brad Bird's history no, and how he got no. into animation. Super fascinating guy. Can't wait like, to hear about all of this next week. A animation wonderkin from a very very young age. Um, and I would if you told, if you had made me yeah. bet money, I would have gone with the side of there's no such thing as an animation wonderkind. I did not yes, think that he, you had a there were a prodigies in animation that's amazing very young age he knew he was going to be an animation director made a bunch of really impressive animated shorts by himself got a very good job at disney um and was got the job at disney at the time in which disney was stopping making good animation (laughs) and lazy and he had the horrible time there and he fought for movies to get better and everyone told him to go fuck himself and we make these for cheap because they're garbage and he was surrounded by people who were fine to toil in mediocrity. And that is what, <laughs> like that is what and the thing that people Warner Brothers, who also, you know, we all know does really high quality animation and cares only about well, good the, movies. Did it once this well, movie did, was a bomb and they never did it again. <laughs> um, he, I know. Like, he designed sideshow Bob on the Simpsons. Yes. Oh, huge Simpson designer. But that's his whole thing. What people misread as like objectivist philosophy is like, no, when you're, when you actually have a passion and want to do stuff right and you're surrounded by mediocrity and people who will just want to be lazy and make money and think of their audiences as dumb, stupid children and so they don't right. have to try, that is where all that comes from. And that is what, what's like, so interesting about his movies, you know? About that for Brad Bird is it sounds like I can, yeah, I can see how he got there to objectivism where he's like, I am a genius at my job. Everyone is bad. Get out of my way. And yet Ayn Rand, who came up with objectivism, is a terrible writer. That yes. does not need to be taken seriously. And so she was walking around going like, I'm a genius. Everyone's an idiot. Except she was re- like, she was like, we should kill people who are bad at their jobs. And she was criminally terrible at her job. Yes. I, that's just very funny that well, he's doing if it If her correctly. job was a writer, uh-huh. yeah. But if her job was like spewing some evil like philosophy, she was pretty great at it. So yeah. Well, yeah, well, she, she definitely planted some some seeds for people who were already doing bad things to feel like it was okay. She she told a lot of people who were rich, hey, you know what? Just give it to you. Yeah. But yeah, I don't have this one. That was her that was her whole thing. And rich people liked it. But nobody likes the book as a book. No. Because they're just unreadable garbage. It's a good doorstop. 
It's very heavy. Yeah, it was very large. Um, the movies also hilariously awful. Anyway, okay, we got to wrap yeah. up. We we were like, it was a good efficient episode, and they were like, let's talk for fifteen minutes in the goodbye segment. So that's what it is. So we're watching. We're traveling via Brian Tochi to Iron Giant, nineteen ninety nine. We'll hear more all, all about Brad Bird as the a little kid. Classic. Cannot wait. I'm very excited about this. We are off next week. We'll be back the week after with that. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be in Europe next week. We'll talk to you when I come back. Um, you can send us email podcast, excuse me, podcast at read-weep.com. We also really appreciate I forgot to say it at the beginning, but thank you to all of our meat buddies Yay. who allow us to keep yeah, limping down you. the tracks. We got very distracted in our opening segment. It got kind of off the rails, but please, thanks for keeping us on. Not on the rails, but keeping us financially on track. Um, you can become a meat buddy by going to metreon.com. And um, that's it. That's all the things. You can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Alex Falcone. And you can also see some other little spinoffs about movies that I'm working on. Um, I think I'm going to do a little feature about evil songs. It'll be fun. Um, and uh, Hunter will be back with us next episode. Thanks for being here, Ezra. And Anthony, great chatting with you. The king has returned. <laughs> enjoy your week off and then enjoy your uh, enjoy your animated movie i like having two yeah. more movies two weeks in a row too all right we'll talk to everybody in two weeks goodbye bye bye, bye.